We're going to start our devotional today with uh, communion. And for anyone visiting with us, communion is a, a tradition of the church. And I say tradition in a very pure sense because it was passed down by Jesus himself to his disciples. And he's asked us to do something, a very simple thing, to break bread together and to share some fruit of the vine together. Uh, that could be wine, it could be just juice, but he's asked us to do this so that we can think about his body and his blood. Now, in the, in the welcome today, we read from Romans chapter 10. Let's turn over to Isaiah 52. And we're going to track back that one reference about the beautiful feet. We're going to go back to where it was originally said, and uh, this would be uh, 750 years earlier. These are the words of Isaiah, the prophet, first inspired by God. Look what it says in Isaiah 52, and we'll read starting in verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. The Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. And he's speaking prophetically here of something that's going to happen in the future. Uh, The the nation of Israel was already beginning to go through struggles. And because they were at moments unfaithful to God, then uh, they stopped uh, acting in in, uh, a line with the covenant that God had made with them. Life got really tough. I think we all can vouch for that. When we don't do things God's way, Things get difficult, don't they? Uh, when we do things God's way, it's amazing. Amazing things happen. Good things happen. And so it's important for us to understand that, that being God's people isn't just a new ID card that we put in our, our pocket or our passport that we now flash when we want to and hide when we want to and uh, use for our purposes. But he changes our identity. He calls us to be part of his people, which really is for a very special purpose to be a light for this world, and to be his messengers, the ones bearing the good news. But also interesting that this quote is then followed by one of the most clear prophecies about Jesus that we find in the Old Testament. It's followed by Isaiah 52, verse 13 and following. And as we read this, think about it, written 750 years before Jesus lived. Listen to this description of Jesus. He said, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. And so will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message? 
To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Now just as a point, that's twice in just a matter of a few verses, it said that the appearance of Jesus was not impressive. We're going to watch a few video clips in the in the you know in the sequence of our devotional today, and I got to admit they usually choose a fairly good-looking guy to be Jesus, but that's not what it says about Jesus. In fact, there's a there's a quote made to Jesus right at the beginning of his ministry in Luke four, and they said, "Physician, heal yourself." You wouldn't say heal yourself to someone who looked completely healthy and normal. Why would they say that to Jesus? Because I think, actually, Jesus isn't exactly how we picture him to be. In fact, you could safely say, most people here are better looking than Jesus was. Mm-hmm. Because that isn't, there is nothing about him that got people's attention. Right. And that's kind of a shocking thought, because we like to beautify everything. And the Jews, they couldn't understand that the Messiah, the king that was to come, and the suffering servant were the same person. And they developed a theology and an interpretation that separated these two. But Jesus combined them and fulfilled the prophecies about himself. And he was both the king that was to come. But he was also the most humble and and the, the servant of God that would be ridiculed and suffer even to the point of death. So in verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we were consider- yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living... For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And will be, and the will of the Lord will prosper in His hand. Really, though Jesus died, he never married, he never had any physical children, we can be reborn through faith in him, and his descendants are many. And God has definitely prospered him and prolonged his days, because Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, is already seated at the right hand of God in heaven. His eternal life already begun. That's pretty exciting. Now, he had eternal life before he came to earth in in human form. But he gave up all of that power 
to be just like us. And then through that sacrifice, God redeemed, God blessed him and through the Spirit raised him from the dead. And so it says here, therefore, sorry, and the suffering of his soul, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of light and be satisfied. He'll raise from the dead. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In the Old Testament, they offered animal sacrifices. And those that offered the sacrifices in various ways participated, sometimes even eating some of the meat that was offered. But we are participating now in the sacrifice of Jesus, not that we bring any righteousness to the table, but he opens up his sacrifice that we can receive the benefit of it. But we must acknowledge that that sacrifice is for us. We must accept that it was done for us. And though we weren't there 2,000 years ago, in a spiritual way and by faith, we were there. And we claim that this sacrifice was for us. And by acknowledging that, we can accept responsibility, but also the blessing that comes with it because God raised Jesus from the dead. And that is the hope that we have as well. So let's pray for the bread. And let's just think about the body that Jesus had here on earth, that he gave up his place in heaven to be just like us. Our Father, mighty God, we thank you for your amazing sacrifice through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you gave your son to us. And Father, it is shaming to think about how Jesus was treated. Father, we know he was innocent. We know he was pure. We know he was righteous. And yet, he was condemned. He was accused of being a liar, a blasphemer. He was accused of being unrighteous. He was numbered among us. Father, when when we admit we are sinners, or when anyone calls us a sinner, we can only say that they are right. It is true. It's who we are. And yet, Father, through your mercy and through the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed. And so we thank you for this body. We thank you that Jesus came to earth and took human form. And, Father, through the offering of that life, gives us eternal life. Father, help us to just think about Jesus and his sacrifice as we break this bread and uh, take it together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to uh, chapter 10, verse 16. And it reads, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, 
son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Mm -hmm. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag or extra tunic or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for someone worthy there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I'll tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. A reading from Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Secondly, Luke chapter 24, verses 36-49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not, did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on the high. Appropriate with um, having family members and friends when they heard the good news, and um, for me, uh, 
The first one person really to share with me was, was Sybil, my wife, who invited me along to church um, to help her with the children. <laughs> but the story goes back a bit further than that, really. I, I come from a long line of pagans. It, it really, we're not, my family aren't churchgoers or believers. Um, but it was, uh, Sybil has two younger sisters, Jean and Maria. And uh, Jean was met in London at a time when she was kind of searching. It's amazing when you're searching for God. You put someone in your path. And um, Jean then, uh, she got looked into the Bible and got baptized, became a disciple. Spoke to Sybil's baby sister, uh, Maria. She studied the Bible for three days and got baptized. She was a very quick conversion. And, um, and then Sybil's turn. And um, she started going to church and studying the Bible as well. We were, at that time, we were, we were living together with children, unmarried. And um, Jean came up for a visit. Uh, I don't think Jean really approved of me uh, in the, the early years that I knew her. Um, you know, there was one of those quite hard stares and a lot of sucking of teeth when she met me. <laughs> and uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. And um, but she came up for a visit, and I usually made myself scarce when Jean was around. And then I came back and uh, said, "Oh, um, Jean's." Uh, can you drop her at the station? She's going back to London. So um, I said, uh, yeah, great, okay, bye. Uh, no problem. <laughs> so I got her in the car, and she was quiet in the car, and didn't say an awful lot, which was fairly standard practice. Uh, then we got to the Eustace station, I pulled up, got the suitcase out. She said, before I go, she said, I just want to say a few things. And I was like, okay. She said, I'm really sorry for the way I've, I've behaved towards you. You know, I was feeling protected towards Sybil. You know, I misjudged and this, this, this. And she said, I'm just really, I'm so, so sorry. And I hope you can forgive me for the way I've treated you. And she gave me a peck on the cheek and disappeared. Ten minutes later, I'm still stood there. <laughs> like, what just happened? And uh, I went back and I saw Sybil said, what's happened to Jean? Jean's, Jean's gone off the tweak. She's lost his... She said, no, no, she's become a Christian. I was like, what, Jean? Become, so anyway. Uh, for me, not having a natural faith or a belief, you know, you know, belt and braces, practical things really impacted me. And seeing the transformation in Jean definitely went a long way to softening my heart towards the scriptures. And then as I say, someone one day said, why don't you come to church and just to see and this was in 1990, um, 22 years ago, around this time probably. And, um, and then the, uh, Scott Bryden came up to me and said, is it okay if I pop around this evening and look at the Bible with you? And I was like, yeah, okay, but uh, don't think you're going to convert me. So, but the strange thing was, and I think 1 Thessalonians sums it up really in chapter 2, verse 8. We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And it was a funny thing, you know, I mean, Scott's now been my best friend for 22 years, but it was right from the start, you know, we knew that Scott and Claire loved us. We knew that they cared, you know, they poured themselves out to it. It wasn't easy, believe me, I had a lot of stuff to deal with. But they poured themselves into us. And, you know, and they shared the good news. 
but also they were a great example of what the good news had done to them, as were many others that we met over that period of time. But I think, uh, again, you've seen just the impact that, you know, we can have, I think, you know, I think the impact Jean had on me just by that radical change and by her example and, and being loved. And I think uh, sharing the good news is a duty of every disciple. But when you share it genuinely and you love the people, for me, that's what made the difference for me. Thank you. I must have seeds that were planted in my life. Uh, the very first one was um, via my mother, who faithfully got us up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we all stood in against the wall at least in a row, dreary uh, and tired, um, listening to the words of the Bible and praying. Um, and she did that year and year until as teenagers we went, I can't do this no more. <laughs> so um, that's the first thing you put. The thing was, the seed was planted, and we went to church and did all of that kind of stuff. And whatnot. The second seed that was planted was by my sister Sylvia. Now, if any of you know Sylvia, she's not the easiest person to get along with, but if you're stuck in a, in a, in a major problem, there's only one person you would call, and that's Sylvia. Wow. Um, my mum was dying, and um, I hadn't seen Sylvia for a while. And um, uh, the, the first thing that struck me was that uh, that Sylvia was reading scriptures to my mum. Big Bobby, every half hour or so, she just read a scripture out to my mum. And I was saying to myself, What's happened to Sylvia? And she was reading it so gently and so calmly. You know, my mum was just soaking it all up. Um, both of them knowing what was about to happen. But, you know, and it, it struck me, uh, you know, you know, we hear in the Bible about watch your life and your doctrine. Uh, Sylvia was showing that her life had changed completely. And she said that she started to come to church. I didn't know it was this church. And I mean, wow, okay. Um, but that stuck with me even after the inevitable happened. And um, that was seedling number two. And seedling number three was when my sister and I were just moving into, into this flat um, over in Langley. And um, um, Janet had said, you know, why don't you come to my church? And Jennifer said, just give him a little time. Just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come when he's ready. She said, no, 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 let him come to church now. So, uh, and I'd already, she didn't know that I'd already been searching to, to come back to the Lord anyway. But I just needed a place to, to place my heart. And, uh, and um, I came to this church. And uh, I, before then I thought, you know, it's strange, you know. My sisters don't just park anywhere and everywhere, you know. They must have thought, this is the church to be. So I thought, well, all right, I'll, I'll go along anyway. And um, although I was looking for a place to stay, I was, I was thinking, hmm, still a little cynical. Uh, but after I, I spoke to Derek and started studying the Bible, um, um, the inevitable ha happened. Uh, you know, I got baptized next week or before years. So, you know, yeah. And um, the thing I wanted to say more than anything was firstly it was the actions uh, of my family. 
that brought me here. It was the action first, and then the words followed, the words of the scriptures. Um, the watch their life and the doctrine. I wish some of them were here now, but they're not here, unfortunately. Um, the one thing I wanted to say more than anything is it's most important to plant the seed. That's the most important thing. Let God do the rest. And, um, and um, even though my mom's not here to see today, um, she'd be so, so happy to know that, you know, she's got a uh, uh, son and her daughters in Christ, and then also, you know, now a niece as well, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, so, and um, I'm sure it'll be the first of many. So it's just to give everybody encouragement, don't give up. It might even not be in your lifetime that you might see, you know, your, 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 your loved ones come to the Lord. But um, just hold, hold strong on that. Let's um, God in heaven, we thank you so much that we can um, know you, God, that we can have a relationship with you, that you loved us enough to send your son, and that you loved us enough to send us people our way who shared us the good news, God. God, I do pray that um, you help us to also love the people around us um, so much that we, as we just heard from Roger and Ken, to love them enough to share the good news, God. Please help us to really expand our hearts in love, to, to love our families, God, to love our, uh, to share with them, to, to live a life that is worthy of you, and to also um, let it be followed by, by words, by, um, yeah, and to share with them. Give us wisdom, God, how and when and what time, uh, give us boldness, God, to stand up, God. I pray for that. I pray that you help us to um, love our neighbors, the people that live in our neighborhoods, that we can love them, that we can open our homes for them, God, that we can invite them into our lives and share our lives and also share about the great news we have, that we can um, have a relationship with you, God. I pray for that. I pray that we, um, you help us to, to love the people that work, God, to think of them, to share with them, to, to help them to, um, to be able to come to you through our, through our testimony, God. I pray that you give us boldness, God, and you give us wisdom. And I pray that you help us to, um, to look away from what maybe society would do, that we can be counterculture in a good sense, God, that we can, um, yeah, share with them even when, when they wouldn't expect it, God. Um, please help us. Please give us boldness and wisdom, God. I pray that you help us to um, share with other people in our lives that we know. I don't know, there are people like, those of us who have children, God, like um, at the schools, God, I pray that we can um, um, get to know the, family, the other families around and, and really um, help us, help us to, to really think of people that we know and to, to love them enough to share your good news. I pray for this all. I uh, pray that we can always remember that it's your love that um, drives us, God. I pray that we remember that we have a treasure in you and that we will be happy to share with people around us. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity just to be reminded, Lord God, of what we have, what we have, this treasure, Lord God. In fact, we have a secret that people out there are seeking day and night, Father. We have been specially been given this opportunity to have a gift, um, a special secret to, to share with. Specifically now, I'm thinking about people we know, Lord God. We see people everywhere we go. We're surrounded with people. Um, Immediate family, yes, Lord God, they see us daily, they see our, our every uh, move, every decision we make, and sometimes wonder why we make the certain decisions we make, Father. Father, help us to be um, adamant in our 
faith in you and show our closest and dearest that it is you that makes us do what we do, Lord. Mm -hmm. That we're motivated purely for the, by the love of you and by your grace, not really that we're spectacular, but because of your grace and your love, we do anything, everything in you, Lord. Thank you for the people you surround us with outside of our blood family, Lord God. Some of us work in big workplaces, in, with call centers, and with lots and lots of people. Others work in proximity, that's the word, proximity with people on one-to-one. -one. They see people, we see people day-to-day, -day, and they are our clients, those of us that see people um, personally as clients. And you see them, you know their, their troubles, they sometimes share their, their, um, share their burdens with, with us, Lord God. And Father, help us to be there for them, Lord God, because they're not there for just by coincidence. And they're no coincidences, Lord. You say in your word that people, you set the time and place for everyone, Lord God. Our neighbors, Father, we see them daily, we say hello to them, Father. Help us to open our eyes and be aware that they need us, they're, they're in need of you, Lord God. And we are there for a reason, Father, to, to be there available to give that special message that we have, Father. It is a secret, Lord. I know that a lot of people seek you um, in a different way. They're looking in their drink, in clubs, and in other things that um, are supposed to be find, they're finding meaning in the gym. And these are people, Father, where we, we see them every day, Father. Help us to build those friendships and not to be... Um, unkind in our in our interactions but father to stand out in our friendship in our love and our concern for their well-being lord god help us not to be by bashing and, and you know and awkward but father lord god just be the friend friendly people and and, and show our kindness let them not know us by our works father lord but this, they'll see our love amongst the, our families father those of us that have children yes we see parents every day lord god they talk to us, they share about their struggles, they share about their, their lives. Father, help us to be the ones that um, are in their, in, in time, in, their, in their time of need, Lord, that they can uh, uh, share their burdens with us. And Father, we can show them your word. We can show them the answers, Lord. The answers, we've got the answers, Lord God. They're in your word, Father. Help us to, to realize our responsibility in our communities, Lord God. Um, thank you so much, Lord, for this chance for us to just be reminded that we are uh, not an island, Father. We're here for honor, on our mission, Father. Remind us of our mission, especially with the people that are nearest and dearest to us. In your son's name I pray, amen. Colossians 4, verse 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. First to chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. But in your hearts, set about Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. For do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. My story is a, 
it's quite funny really because I, I uh, in 80, 81, 82, um, I was uh, a musician and I was um, uh, doing shows around Birmingham and traveling up and down a bit and uh, my desire was to get into the music business and I remember my, my brother was my manager at the time and uh, he met a guy called Dean Magic and he was reaching out to him and then uh, Dean knew Roy Carter and uh, anyway, it, come, it worked out that uh, Roy came down to see me, um, uh, to listen to my vocals to see whether or not it was suitable for the music business. And then he, he said to me I needed to go away and practice for another 6 or 12 months um, and practice my vocals and then maybe come back and, and see if, uh, if, if anything was going to happen. So I went away and practiced Shalimar, you know, uh, uh, I kept singing it till I was blue in the face. And uh, anyway... He came back and listened and said, yeah, it's improved. And so uh, then, uh, then he suggested that um, we start working on a, on, a, on, a, on a single. So we did a single. That was my first single in 83. And then, uh, then we kept in touch, and I kept on doing music and so on and so forth. And then uh, when my band split up, decided to go solo, um, I kept two of the girls in there. One was with Simply Red, um, Dee Johnson, and then there was another girl, Linda Sand, I think. And the three of us, we decided to stick together as a band, and uh, we push ourselves in London. So Roy phones me up and says, uh, why don't you guys move down to London? So I was living with my mom at the time, and she thought I was going mad, but anyway. Um, I said, uh, so I talked to the girls then, and then we said, well, why don't we move down to London, let's track up what we're doing here, you know, that's where the Big Apple is. So we went down there and uh, uh, we got into um, a friend's house uh, that Roy knew uh, in Chelsea and uh, we stayed there. And just to show how God works things out, uh, in the Bible here it says in Acts 17, 24, that God determined the exact time and place where a man should live. And uh, we had two weeks where we couldn't go into the studios to record this, this song that we were working on. <coughs> And it was a rush album somebody needed to do, so they needed to use the shoot studio time. And it was during that two weeks, Roy had become a Christian at some point within that year. And uh, his friendship and uh, just his giving attitude and everything else inspired me. And uh, so when he invited me to come along to the church, it was actually no problem. Because I saw his lifestyle and I saw that he was a man of God and, and I saw that he was a, a loving kind of guy. And I thought, well, if they like Roy, then that's fine, I should be okay so I went to the church in London, Regent Street, and uh, not Regent Street, it was uh, where we were meeting then. We were meeting in um, Colburn, Colburn, that's it. Anyway, it was, it was a fantastic place because they were happy and vibrant and people were, and I thought, ah, so it's not just Roy, it's somebody else as well, so they're all mad. And, uh, and so I went and he was just, they were just so happy, I, I couldn't, I thought Roy was on drugs, so I, I understood him. But when I saw everybody else on drugs, I thought, nah, this can't be right. And so um, then I realized that there's, there's more to life than what I've got. And the joy that they had, I wanted, and I knew I wasn't joyful. I knew I was finding things to do in my life, and I was busy with my career, but I knew deep down I wasn't happy. And so I, I was a bit jealous of them. And so um, the second week he invited me back, I, I came along again. But this time, during that week, he said, why don't you come to a Bible discussion? So we went to the Bible discussion. And, uh, and I was able to ask questions and I, I was made to feel at home and he'd worked it out as the Lord had that a lot of them were musicians who I could relate to 
And uh, I was able to ask questions that I was previously scared to ask, that people would laugh at me because I don't know what the Bible really says. But they didn't. And they were actually able to help point me back to the Bible. And I was able to read it myself and not just trust what somebody was telling me. And that encouraged me to actually want to find out what the Bible said. Because I realised it wasn't just about people, it was about giving me the chance to read it myself and helping me along with it. And so, over the next couple of weeks, I um, decided to split up with my relationship and uh, with a, a girl that I had and, uh, and, uh, and, and get serious with the Bible. And, um, you know, I can't thank Roy enough, really, to be honest with you. you just, how can you thank someone for saving your life? I mean, you know, what, what, what can you do? But what I realised is I gave, up, I gave up my life to Christ, and it was the best thing I ever did. And uh, it's the only thing that I've really held on to all of my, all of my, uh, all of my life so far, because I was 28 then, I'm 54 now, so most of my life I've held on to Christ. But also, the marriage that I have is as a result of the Bible. And I have a great relationship with my wife. My children are teaching me a lot about unconditional love. And uh, it's fantastic because, you know, God is, is awesome. And I can't thank you enough, but I do want to say thank you. Uh, I can't thank the church enough because you guys are awesome. And I can't thank God enough. I'm looking forward to, you know, many, many more years spending time praying and reading. But uh, it's fantastic being a Christian. Amen. Um, I'm just going to share a bit about just the six months before I was invited to come along to church. And um, I feel like God was kind of working already before somebody came up to me. And um, one of the things that happened was I finished university, well, I was about to finish university. And um, uh, security equipment had gone um, down in the car park. And so there was a man who was parading like the whole day around the cars looking at them. And I felt sorry for him. I went up and was talking to him. And he told me he was a preacher of Ghana called Joseph. I was like, why are you doing like in Cardiff at University Car Park, like watching cars? And I just thought that was very strange. And you know, he was a really nice guy. And then um, I was at a time where um, I didn't know whether to stay in Cardiff or whether to come back to Birmingham because I hadn't got on with my family and I hadn't lived with them for about seven years. And so I was really asking everybody, what should I do? What should I do? Everybody had different opinions. And then one night I went to bed, I woke up in the morning and I just had this answer that you've got to go to Birmingham. And I thought, Okay, I've got to go to Birmingham, so I came to Birmingham, and within about two or three months of living back at home, I wasn't happy, and I realised why I didn't stay with my family, and I wanted to leave again, and I had a call from a friend I hadn't seen for two years, and she just, she'd been travelling the world, and she had just come back to Birmingham, and she said, I'm coming this weekend back to Birmingham, you can't leave and go back to Cardiff, so I think, okay, then I've got to stay here. And so this is now approaching Christmas, and... Um, so I stayed in Birmingham and I was out in town and two sisters came up, well, two ladies came up to me, Tops and Joyce, and um, I was walking up the steps of the library and they just stopped. I didn't even see them at all. They just came up and they said, hello, would you like, you know, have you ever thought about studying the Bible? And I looked at them and I thought, are you two angels? And they looked at me and they thought, no. And they kind of looked at each other thinking I was strange and I'm thinking, where have you come from? I didn't see you walking anywhere. And um, so I said to them, I'm not sure. And I was a bit kind of weary and I didn't want to give them my details. So I said, give me a card and um, I will come. But just, you know, they seemed really normal and really um, friendly and, you know, nice. And I took the card and I kept it in my kitchen for about 
four weeks or something, just looking at it, thinking, I've got to go and you know, see those two girls again. And then when I, so I decided to just turn up one night myself. And then when I came in, everybody was like really welcoming. And I remember somebody gave me a hug. I don't know who it was. And I'm still trying to think back to the face, but that person gave me like a really, really big hug. And I like, I just felt like I didn't even know who they were, but it was so welcoming. And everybody was like happy. And you know, then they talked about getting the fire. And I thought, yeah, I need to know for myself. And you know how um, somebody else shared about them getting you to ask questions and so you know, I felt secure that way I'm going to find out. They're going to answer my questions and no one's going to find it, you know, stonewall me or, you know, try to trick me or anything. So, um, yeah, I just started studying the Bible and um, that was it really. I, and, you know, I just feel really grateful now because I think, you know, from where I was, the path I was going down where I wasn't very happy in my life, you know, a lot of what I know now I wouldn't have known and I wouldn't be here today, I think, you know, if I hadn't studied the Bible and so... I think for me, sometimes I think you don't know what's going on in the person's life and you don't know how God is working, but you just have to say to them, and maybe they'll come in the wrong time, but you know, they may well just come and stay, so that would be good. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear God, uh, as we know, even from the testimonies we just heard, God, that uh, you are looking throughout this earth, Father, looking to bring people to know you. And Father, you've given us a spirit, uh, a strong spirit in us, Father, that... Uh, it's eager, Father, to follow that uh, dictate, Father, to, to help others to get to know you. And, Father, often uh, our hearts are there, Father, that uh, are troubling us and stopping us, Father, from doing it. We pray, God, that you give us the boldness and uh, listen to what the Spirit is saying rather than what the heart is saying. And help us, Father, just to uh, really rely on you, God, Father, when it comes to people around us. And we, we know in our hearts, Father, we can all look around, we can see times, Father, when conversation has been starting and we thought afterwards I really should have invited them along to church or to look at your word and Father pray God that you just give us a, a real boldness Father to obey that spirit Father um, from this day on Father really to, uh, to really use it uh, in a powerful way we thank you Father for all the people Father who come to know you from uh, just being even met at work or on the streets or seeing something in us Father that uh, makes them think That's, there's a difference pray God that you just help us God to uh, really um, uh, enjoy our lives as Christians so that uh, people can see it through that as well. We thank you for your love, God. We thank you for the way, Father, you've uh, brought us all individually in different ways into your kingdom. Uh, some of us, Father, are just amazed at uh, how we were brought into your kingdom, Father. We, and we know it wasn't an accident. We can all look back individually and see things took place to make it happen. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your continued faith in us your continued love for us. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. God Almighty, thank you so much that we can come before you right now, God, with the knowledge that, uh, Father, several thousand years ago, God, that there was an absolute, Father, just um, event that took place that has never been equaled in all of history, God. Mm -hmm. And Father, it's an incredible thing that we know this, God, that a man was crucified so horrifically so that God Almighty, that our sins could be put upon him and we can be free. That there was an exchange and he was a scapegoat. And Father, I pray that today, God, I know for myself, I ask your forgiveness for the fact that this week, I have definitely not been focused, God, on what you've asked me to do, which is to seek and to save the lost. I've definitely gotten, Father, just caught up in the things of this world, God. And Father, I thank you that this morning I could make a decision to repent. But Father, I know that, God, if I feel this way, that so many of us at times will probably feel exactly the same. And Father, I pray, God, that, you know, I know that when I look today, God, at this, uh, this excerpt that was here about Jesus, my heart inside of me, God, skipped many beats. And Father, I know, Father, for the fact that God, um, you know, it, it's incredible to think 
that we can have a message that we can actually give to people, Father. And God, there are so many people out there that we can have conversations like that with, where we can actually tell them, come and see. Come and find out who Jesus is, what he is all about. And Father, I pray today, please, God, grant us, God, the ability, Father, Holy Spirit, through, through your power, give us the boldness to be able to actually go and speak to people, God. Give us, God, that focus, Father. Put a blanket on us like you do with horses, God, where, Father, you know, we can we can actually be wise to the devil's schemes, Father. Yes. We can basically, Father, overcome the distraction that faces so much, God. We pray also, Father, God, give us beautiful feet, God. Give us a winning spirit so that we can go out, Father. But, Father, give us that increased expectation, Father, for people out there who are lost, God. It is you, Father, that ask to our number daily those that are being saved. And, Father, we ask you to send those the one who receives salvation and use us, Father. Help us to do this. God, we thank you for this time that we can really come before you. And God, we praise you and thank you for answering our prayers. God, we have an expectation for people to come. People of all walks of life, of all nations, God. Muslims, Chinese people, all kinds of people. Rich, poor, whoever, God. We thank you. Give us the hearts to love them. The power, God, to be able to, Father, just do what you say in your word. God, we thank you for this time to pray to you, and we receive all these things in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank everyone who participated in our devotional today, and uh, hopefully it's inspired us to realize that God can use each one of us. Uh, we do need to open our mouths. Uh, it's just not going to be silence, but the, obviously the, the quality of our life, it's the people that we are that really speaks the message of Jesus. I just wanted to remind anyone who didn't get in any invitations yet for the service next Sunday, there's some up on the stage right here, and also that there's uh, some programs left over from the marriage retreat. If you weren't able to be with us, you can get a copy of the program that we went through. So now we're going to stand and sing our final song, and if you have children in the, in the kids' kingdom, please go and get them at this time.